You know, I know a lot of you guys don't know Mark Snead that was uh, leading worship for us this morning. Um, but uh, he, uh, he helps out with our high school ministry and has, has been doing such an amazing job with the high schoolers. But more than that, I, I've just really gotten to know his life. And I was thinking about it, even as we were worshiping, you know, Mark is, uh, to me, he's, he's, uh, he's honestly one of the godliest men I know. Um, and, and even at his age, I mean, the things that he understands, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just pretty incredible. And I, I, he's one of the students at the college, at Eternity Bible College, and, and I, I look at his life and I think, man, I wish I knew and understood what he understands at his age. You know, it's like, man, I wish I had my head on straight at that age and his understanding. And I, I say that about a lot of the students in the college right now. It's God's doing something pretty amazing with some of these younger guys and younger gals who, uh, who have an understanding of God and they're understanding things about God that I just figured out a couple of years ago. And I'm going, they totally get that right now. And it gets me so fired up because I think, what in the world is God going to do through guys like this? I, I hope that when you see different people come on the stage, or you know, it's maybe some younger guys, younger girls up here, that, that you pray for them because I just think the future is so bright here with uh, the, the group of students that's coming out of the college. I think, Lord, if they understand this stuff now already and are already gifted and this and that, what are they going to be like five years or when they're my age? You know, what, what, what are they going to be like? And, and I hope that you pray for these students um, because I, I just think that we're, we're in the midst of something so huge right now um, where, where God is going to do something so big in these guys' lives. Um, and speaking of the college, remember a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, I talked about how we're, we're looking for accreditation now, and, and you know, and thank you for your support. I told you we're having that that banquet, uh, you know, for those who'd want to help out in uh, in being donors for the college, and we had a great response. We had uh, two people sign up. Um, so thank you for that, that couple, wherever you are. It's going to be more of a double date now. It's going to be my wife and I and you, and so it's no longer a banquet, but. Uh, um, thanks for all your support, you guys. It really touches me. Um, there are tickets still available, okay, for Friday night, believe it or not. And uh, they're free now. And, uh, you know, maybe you missed the display. It's the one that covers that whole back wall when you leave. Um, and you can get tickets there for, for this Friday night. And uh, um, would appreciate your support. Uh, but, I, no, honestly, though, I... Um, I think about some of the people that are coming out of this church right now. Like uh, last week, Johnny preached. That was his first time ever preaching. And I was listening to the sermon yesterday, and I'm going, no way. You know, I, I mean, just, just, I think about the first time I preached, you wouldn't have wanted to hear it. I mean, it just, it was terrible. And I, I listen to Johnny, I go, man, first time speaking, just got out of seminary, and you got to know that you're the ones that paid for a seminary education. You're the ones that, that are developing these leaders that are coming out that I believe are going to just do such amazing things, and that's, that's why I bring some of these different guys up. Last week, while, while, while uh, Johnny was preaching here, I was preaching in Ohio at, at Tony's church. You know, Tony, our old worship pastor, that, that we sent as a church to go plant a church in Ohio. And, and they started this year in January. There was 13 of them in this little living room. And now they've got their own place and everything. And there's like 40 to 50 people there that are just fired up and ready to make a difference. And I, I'm just so excited about the potential of that church. While I was in Ohio, Ron Wilson, another one of our elders, was in Idaho. It's kind of the same thing. He was in Idaho... <laughs> 
and he was at uh, he was at Paul Hatfield's church. You remember Paul, who also led worship here. You know, and Paul went to Idaho to Boise to start his own church out there, and it's been a couple years now, and he's got you know a couple hundred people showing up in this theater, and they're just fired up, and things are happening there. You know, I, I talked to Gordy last week, you know, because we've got our church plans in Moore Park, and uh, and things are cranking over there. I mean, he just says, man, the body is just so tight and so healthy and so good, and they just have so much potential for the future again. And, and all these churches that are going on, you know, Frank has talked to you, you know, this morning about everything that's going on in the prisons and the things that are taking place where people are preaching in the prisons. Um, we have another church plant that I'm going to tell you about in about a month. Uh, but in the fall, we're going to start another church in the Santa Monica Westwood area because we've had a bunch of UCLA students that have been making this journey out here every weekend and, uh, you know, want something out there for themselves. They want a cornerstone out there. like, let's go for it. And we've got some leaders that are trained up. Again, you know, guys that you paid for their seminary education, we're building up, we're training up, we're sending them out. And they're going to all of these places and we're just starting to see, you know, like the, you know, the, the fruits of our labor where... All these guys we've been training and working with and have been serving you are now going to these different places. And I don't even have time to mention all the missionaries that we've sent out. Um, but, but that's the way this, this, this church has to be. Um, and I, I applaud you for, for just saying, you know what, let's keep investing in the youth. Because I tell you, there's a lot of churches where the people in the congregation would get angry, you know, seeing a young guy up there leading worship, you know, going, ah, what are those kids doing up You know, Instead of saying, wow, this is, this is amazing. We've got all these young leaders getting raised up and going to these different places. And this is the way it's supposed to work. This is the way it's supposed to work. I, I should have a bunch of guys coming out of the college that are way beyond where I was back then. We should all have people like that in our lives where we go, man, they get it. See, a lot of times we, we set our sights too, too low. Like with our own kids or with whoever else we think, okay, if I can just get my kids to hold on to my faith to some degree, that, that can't be the goal. You're failing if that's your goal. The whole goal is I want to teach them everything I know at their, their young age. I want to share all of my experiences with them so then they can start taking it to the next level and their faith could surpass mine. See, that's what the church is supposed to do, is take the next generation and raise them up to surpass our faith and go beyond where we are. There's a great psalm in, in Psalm 71. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 71. And this is a message for those of us who are older. Just, just, this isn't really my message, but I just want to show us one section. And when I say older, I, I'm talking about myself. I, I, you know, when I go to these camps now, and I speak at high school camps, I used to go to camps like 15 years ago. I started speaking at these high school camps. And I used to drive up. I had a convertible Mustang. You know, I had hair. And I'd, uh, you know, and it was just like, oh, no way. That's the camp speaker, you know, driving up in his Mustang. You know, and it's just like, wow, he's so cool. And then now it's like, He's driving up with his four kids in his minivan. You know, I'm a fossil, you know, to them. I mean, they, they seriously, they just go, wow, this guy, they really look at me as so old. And then they hear, well, you saw Star Wars when it was first out? You know, yeah. it's just like a whole different world to them, you know. And I tell them, I got people in my church that saw the Beatles. And they're like, no way, you know. It's just... You have no clue how old your, you know, people look at you and they, they think of you as so old. And, and, and so this passage is to all of us who are my age and older. Um, 
Psalm 71, verse 17. I love this. Look what the psalmist says. He says, Since my youth, O God, you've taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. I love that. He says, God, you've been so faithful to me. But he goes, I'm just asking you one thing. He goes, when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me. Don't get rid of this power, the strength I have, until I can declare your power to the next generation. Okay, to turn to my grandkids. You know, I don't want just, I'm not happy here. You know, just when I'm, would you do this one thing for me, God? When I'm old and gray, don't forsake me. Make it so that I can just keep declaring your power even to the next generation. That was his prayer. See, that's not the prayer of the elderly lately. The prayer of the elderly, you know, Lord, you know, when I'm old and gray, make sure I have enough, make sure I'm able to kind of travel the world, play golf, and die peacefully. That's really the prayer. And the psalmist saying, you know, that's not, that's not the life I want to live. When I'm older, God, when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me so that I still have the energy so I can invest and give every single bit that I have left into making sure that next generation knows how great you are. That's what I live for. That's what I exist for. Man, is that what you're existing for? To teach the next generation about the, the marvelous things that God has done in your life. That's the reason to live. That's what we're pursuing here, is that next generation, they would go so far beyond us because we've, teach, we've taught them everything that we know about God at a young age so they can take the faith to the next level. And uh, I, I just got to ask you, are you doing that? Are you living for that? Um, and also just to encourage you, because I just go, you know what, this, this future for, for our next generation here at the church, this is why we've invested so much into the youth ministry, children's ministry, and now the college, is because we're going, you know what, this next generation is going to just take it off the charts. They are, they're ready, they're fired up, and they're going to do some things that I think will blow our minds. Um, but again, that has nothing to do with my message today. I just need to get some people to the banquet. Um, turn to... Uh, Turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Luke 22. I'm, I am so excited about this passage today. This is, uh, this is good stuff. Luke chapter 22. And the reason why I love this, and I've been excited to preach this, is because it's, it's so simple, so basic, and I think this is what the church needs. The, the church in America today needs the basic truths. We, need to, to be, we, we don't need a lot of the deeper, detailed truths. We need a deep, deep commitment to the simple truths. I'm so convinced of that, that Jesus' teachings were not to be so confusing. He was here to simplify everything and say, you know what, I can sum up the whole Bible in a couple of commands. It's just a matter of us really being deeply committed to those things. And that's what we find here. Luke chapter 22. Remember, this is, this is during the Lord's Supper. Remember, we just studied that a couple of weeks ago, and I hope that you take of it in a sacred way today. But, but remember, Jesus has this intimate dinner on the last day of his, his uh, last night on earth with his disciples. And then at the end of the dinner, remember, he says, and someone at this table is going to betray me. And all the disciples start trying to figure out, who is it? Who could that be? Well, right after that discussion, it says in verse 24, he says, Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. 
Isn't that weird? So they're sitting down and they're going, gosh, I wonder who's betraying Jesus. Is it? I wonder if it's that guy, that guy. You know, there's just like a dozen of them. And then suddenly they go, I wonder who's the greatest. I bet you I am. I mean, this is serious. What's going on? Because there's dispute going on. They're fighting about who is the greatest. This is the last night with their Savior. This is the last night with Jesus. And they're sitting there discussing, I wonder when his kingdom comes, who's really going to sit on his right hand? Who's really, of us, who's the greatest? And they're arguing about who's greater. And so Jesus stops that in verse 25. And Jesus says to him, he says, you know, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Okay, Jesus, when these guys are arguing about, okay, who's most significant? I mean, if you look around the room, and there's some successful people in this room. I mean, if we just sat down and I said to you, okay, who's the most important person in this room? You know, and, and, you know, we all have different gauges of, well, it's because of this. This makes this person more significant, or this makes that person more significant. You know, Jesus just kind of blows that all out of the water. He says, you, know, you guys are arguing about stuff that people in the world argue about. He goes, you know the emperors, at that time the Roman emperors? He goes, you know the kings of the Gentiles, the unbelievers out there? That's what they do. They try to figure out, man, who's most powerful? Who's ruling over more people? Who's the greatest? Who's got the greatest amount of authority? But Jesus says, and and those leaders, they call themselves benefactors. The word benefactor means doers of good. You know, these leaders just feel like, I'm on top of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm it. I'm good because I'm lording it over these people. And he says, that's the way the world is. And he just makes a very simple phrase. He says, but you are not to be like that. Real simple. You know, when you walk out these these doors, it's all about who's in charge, who's got the authority, who's leading how many people, who's got so many people under him. But the Bible says, you, you guys right now, in here, you're not to be like that. I love that phrase. Jesus just says, but you, you're not to be like that. Remember um, a long time ago, there was a TV show that first came out. It was called uh, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Do you guys remember that? That was a long time ago. So if you remember that, you're dating yourself. It's uh, Robin Leach. Remember that? And, and he, would, he would go around to all the richest people in the world and show them their homes. And I remember, it was, the whole point was everyone in the world was looking at the show and going, wow. Look at all they have. Look at all their servants. See, he's got his own guy to cook for him. That person has their own driver and limo. That person, has, And everyone would start envying and going, wow, look at that, look at that, look at that. You know, that show is actually still airing, but now it's called Cribs. And uh, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, it's the same thing. You know, it's on MTV. Now it's all these, you know, different rock stars going, hey, check out my crib. You know, and they're just going over here. You know, and they're just taking you around their house. And he's going, you know, here's my butler. You know, here's my chef. Here's my pilot. Here's my, you know, just going on and saying, look at all the stuff I got. So all the next generation, oh, man. 
If I could have all of that, if I could have all those people working for me, my own person, you know, picking out my wardrobe, another person cooking for me, another person doing my hair, another person getting the car warm, and just all of this stuff. See, the whole world looks up to that, and Jesus says, but you're not supposed to be like that. He goes, he goes not you. Not you. You're, you're, you're not about lording it over these people and having all these people serving you. He says to them, he goes, you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest should be like the youngest. You, you see, in their, in their culture, which I think is the right thing to do, in their culture, the youngest would do the menial tasks and they would have respect for the elderly. And he says, but really, even those who are elderly and have the high positions, you know what you should do is you should be like one who serves. Those who, he doesn't say there's nothing wrong with running your own company. There's nothing wrong with having a bunch of people under you. I mean, that, that's a good thing. If, if God has gifted you in that way, man, then just explode. Have a huge, huge business. He goes, but as the leader, as the ruler of that, act like one who serves. Your mentality, your attitude should still be as one of a servant. In, in fact, Jesus says... Um, he says, who's greater, verse 27, who's greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. He just asks a rhetorical question. He goes, okay, in this situation, who's greater, the person sitting at the table or the person that's running around serving him? He goes, obviously, the one sitting at the table, right? That's the greater one. He goes, but look at me. He goes, what am I doing? He goes, I'm serving. Here I am, the head of the table, the ruler, the ruler of the universe, and I'm serving. So what does that tell you? If I'm truly your example, what, are, what ought you to do? You see, and, and uh, again, you know, I, I talk about the basic truths. I mean, Jesus is teaching his disciples, you're supposed to be like me. You know, that's what a Christian is. Someone who lives like Christ. And I, I, I don't know if you remember, but years ago I, I was telling you about Dan Smith, one of the guys in our church, and how he, he told me about this day he spent down in Tijuana with this pastor, this pastor from San Diego named Von Truxler. And Von, what he does is he does all his ministry in the dumps in Tijuana. And, uh, and Dan was telling me about this day that he spent with Vaughn. He says, you know, it's really weird. You go down there with this guy. And he goes, man, when I was walking around the dumps there in Tijuana and walking with Vaughn, all these kids that are just dirty, runny nose with nothing, just running up and hugging him. You know, just hugging Vaughn. And, and, and Vaughn had food for them. He had clothes for them. And every village, you know, or little dump area that they, they walked by, these people would just flock to him. And he just kept giving, 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 and serving. And the thing that, and honestly, I believe this was a turning point in my life when Dan told me the story. Because cause what Dan said to me, he goes, Francis, it was weird. He goes, the day I spent with Vaughn was the closest thing I've ever experienced to walking with Jesus. He says, I felt like I was walking with Jesus. I kept thinking to myself, if Jesus were walking on the earth, that's what he would be like. And he says, it was eerie. He goes, if I was walking with Jesus, that's what he would be doing. And he goes, I've never had an experience like that. That's the closest thing I've experienced on this earth to walking with Jesus. And that was so powerful to me because I thought to myself, would anyone say that about me? Would anyone say, gosh, walking with Francis that day was like, 
It was weird. It was like walking with Jesus. Everywhere we went, he just kept serving. He just kept giving. He couldn't give enough to the people. And I thought, no, no one would say that about me. And I realized that my, my idea of success was, was pretty warped as a Christian. That I wasn't even trying to be like Christ anymore. I was like, man, no, this is successful. Successful is, is, is that one day someone would say of me, man, the, the, way, the way he walked, the way I hung out with him, man, it was like walking with Jesus. He just couldn't stop giving and serving people. And I'm asking you, is that still the goal of your life? Is that still what you're pursuing, saying, I want to be like Christ? Or are you pursuing some sort of position or authority? You've got this insecurity of wanting to be something. You know, you know what Jesus says to them after that? It's really interesting because he says in verse 28, he says to his disciples, he says, listen, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you, so I'm going to give to you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He says to his disciples, he goes, listen, and he's saying this to us, those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who really believe that Jesus died on that cross for our sins, and we've made a commitment saying, you know what, he died for me, and I'm going to follow him, and you really mean it. What he says is, he goes, you know what, you're already in the kingdom. He tells his disciples, not only are you in, not only do I have a spot in heaven, 1 Corinthians 6 says, I'm actually going to sit in judgment over angels. And he tells his disciples there, you know, that even the 12 tribes of Israel, those original tribes, and those who rebelled against God, you're going to sit in judgment over them. You're going to sit on thrones with me. Because don't be insecure. You've already arrived. I'm just saying, with that position now, become a servant. Quit striving for something you've already got. Who cares about this world? You know, we're, we're going to be gone any second. But one day we're going to rule with Jesus. That, that's huge. And he says, so this is the way it works in my kingdom. When you're a ruler, you act as a servant. You go around, you serve other people. And let me just ask you, do the people in your own family see you as a servant? Would they use that in describing you? Wow, she really serves our family. He really serves our family. Servant. Would, uh, would the people at work, no matter what position you hold, do they just see you as serving them? Saying, man, with all that power, he or she still just serves. Cares about my needs. Walks around, figure out who they can help. A servant. Do your neighbors, do your neighbors see you as a servant? You, you know, Mark, who's leading worship, was telling about one of his roommates. One of his roommates, he says, you know, he, says he was very convicted by this whole idea of servanthood. He goes, because, you know, one of my roommates, you know what he does? He went around to a bunch of our neighbors and asked if he could mow their lawns for free, and that's what he does. He, he mows lawns in our neighborhood for free. And terrible. When I first thought, was, oh, I wish he lived closer to me. You know, <laughs> but the whole, the whole thought... You know, but, but isn't that weird how our minds can kind of go to that? It's like, wow, I am so evil. You know, instead of just going, what an awesome example. What an amazing example. 
to say, I, I just, I want to serve God. I really want to be a picture of Jesus. And he would go around figuring out how to serve. That's convicting. That's why I'm telling you, I'm so excited about this next generation coming up um, that we're building into. It's like servanthood. The thought of servanthood. Are you known as a servant? So many marriages are falling apart because we rebel against this. We totally rebel against this attitude of servanthood. It's not about, you know, who can serve who. It's, it's about, you know what, you know what, you should be doing that. You should be doing that. You should be doing that. No, 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 that's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. I, I remember one of our first worship pastors, Jim Altizer, remember him? He, he talked about this couple one time, and he said how when they got home every day, when they got together, the, what they would do is they would have a competition to see who could outserve the other one. And they would fight about who could serve the other person more. That's what we all do, right? You know, I, I just thought, wow, that's so powerful. So powerful that they both just said, no, I want to be like Christ. I want to be more like Christ. I'm going to do more than you. I'm going to serve you more than you serve me tonight. That that was our competition every night. You know, and I, I, you guys, if we did that, there would be no more divorces in this church. There wouldn't be. There, there would not be another divorce in this church if we took this mindset of serving. Can you name one divorce where the couple really had that mindset? I'm going to outserve the other person? I mean, you hear that story where people go, ah, oh, you know what? We just kept serving, serving, serving until it just didn't work out anymore. <laughs> you know, she was just trying to serve me way too much. It just bugged me and I just, I had to leave her. You guys, I mean, isn't that the... This is what kills us. Isn't it? I mean, we laugh, we joke about it, but that's the truth. It's like we rebel against this servanthood. And Jesus says, if you would just get that, life would be so much better. And, and here's the most interesting part of the passage to me. This is the part that nailed me. Um, I don't know that I ever really noticed this before, but look at verse 31 and 32. Verse 31, just, just this... Verse 31, he looks at Peter. Jesus looks at Peter and says to him, Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Think about that. To sift as wheat, it just basically means he's just asked to tear you up, to shred you to pieces, to chew you up and spit you out. Think about that. Jesus says, hey, hey Simon, I want you to know Satan is so after you. He's even asked the Father, hey, can I grab Peter? Can I grab Simon and just thrash him and see if his faith survives? It's kind of like when you read the story of Job. Remember the beginning of Job? Where, where Satan says, you know what, Lord? I want to take Job and I want to just trash his life. And I bet you he'll curse you to your face. God says, all right, go ahead. Jesus says, you know what, Peter? Satan's after you right now. He wants to tear you up. He wants to ruin your faith. Isn't that a weird thought? That, that as I'm speaking to you and I'm going, come on, you guys, let's be servants. Let's follow Christ's example, this or that. That there's another, there's another element going on in this room. There's another force that Satan himself wants you to fall. He wants you to get arrogant. He wants you to be so into the things of the world that you never even think about spiritual things. So that you're on your deathbed and you're going, oh, what did I do with my life? i got all this stuff I'm leaving behind. I never even thought about where I'm going now. That's what he wants of you. 
He's going to do everything. Some of you that are walking with God, He wants you to fall. He wants you to ditch your faith. I mean, I mean wouldn't, wouldn't Satan love it if, if I had an affair this week? Wouldn't he just love that? Or I, I did something just illegal. or whatever. I mean, wouldn't he just love that? Just to tear me up. And wouldn't he just love to do that to your family? Wouldn't he just love another family to fall apart in this church? So it's just like, oh yeah, another cornerstone divorce. Wouldn't he just love that? For some of you that, that just gave your life to the Lord, for you to just go back into all your old ways, get back to the drugs, get back to the partying, get back to the impurity, this and that, go back to your, your internet porn, all that junk. He just wants you back there. He, he's doing everything he can to get you to fall. But listen to what Jesus says. You've got to catch this. This is, this is huge to me. He says, look what he says. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. I, I, that, that really hit me. Jesus. Think about who's saying this. Okay, think. Jesus Christ, Son of God, sitting at this table, looks at Simon and says, Satan's after you. He wants you to walk away. But don't worry. I've been praying for you. Jesus says, I've prayed for you. I mean, wouldn't you expect Jesus to say something different than that? Like, Satan's after you, but don't worry. Here, I, I've got some advice for you. I, I, I wrote down a few steps on how to resist him. I've got a counselor I want you to start seeing. I've got this, I've got that. He's got all these different things that we put our trust in, and none of those things are bad. I'm just saying that do we really believe in prayer? That Jesus himself says, here's the solution, though. Don't worry, because I've been praying for you. Oh, that, that hit me so hard this week. You, you know what it caused me to do? It caused me to just kind of put my notes aside and say, okay, forget about crafting the sermon. The best thing I can do is to pray for you. And I spent the rest of the week forgetting about how to craft this message because, you know, my words aren't going to do a whole lot. The power is in prayer. Jesus even said that. You know, it's a spiritual war. And for us to use our words, our knowledge, our wisdom, our counseling efforts, or this or that, you know what? It's, it's like shooting bullets at a ghost. It, you're fighting a, a spiritual war with physical weapons. The, and again, those things are fine. You know, the Bible even talks about them. But the real power is in prayer. To where Jesus tells Peter, Satan's going to thrash you, but I prayed for you. And so you're going to come back. You're going to come back because I've been praying for you. And I, I, I'm going to confess this to you. I, I haven't taken this calling seriously um, to really pray for you and believe that's the best thing I could do for you. And, uh, and just this week, again, just renewed my passion for that and saying, you know what? The best thing I can do is spend this time praying. So I did. I mean, I mean, Friday morning, I was up at like 3, 3.30 in the morning, just said, Lord, bring people's faces to mine you know, in the church. I'm just going to pray their faith wouldn't fail. You know, and then just seeing just throughout the services people I prayed for this week. 
because Satan's after you. Rob, Kim, totally prayed for you guys. Totally prayed for, like, like five times this week. I don't know why God kept bringing you guys up. Are you guys fighting? Okay. It, but I, I just, uh, I don't know, you know, just, uh, you don't have to stay here. We'll talk later. But, uh, you, you know, just the whole thought. I, I seriously, you know, and, and for you too, Madison, you know, I did. Because I thought, you know what? Everyone expects you, you know, you, you Madison, you, you're at that age where it's like, okay, mom and dad, they're close to the Lord. I'm going to do that. It, it, but you're at the age where it's like, man, this faith is your own now. It's, it's all or nothing. It's about you. It's not about them anymore. It's about, do you really believe in Jesus? Are you going to follow him? And so I prayed for you. Because Satan would love to see you, you know, just go in the wrong direction. And, and then you guys will be miserable because of your daughter going, you know, the wrong, you know, and just everything will fall apart. And it's like, Lord, I know Satan would love this family to fall apart. Don't let him. And I just begged for your family, that you guys would keep serving God and keep worshiping Him. I did, just over and over, just saying, protect them. I prayed for you guys, Jessica, Memo. I did, I prayed for you guys this week and just thought, you know what? Just with your faith and everything else and the fire and the passion, I go, I know Satan's after you. He'd love for you guys just to ditch everything and throw it away. And I was like, just begging, saying, God, don't let that happen with them. Make them strong. Make their faith just keep growing further and further and further. Doug and Franny totally prayed for you guys this week, just that, you know, God would love to see you guys blow it, you know, and just mess up or whatever else. Kathy, I didn't pray for you, but I will. Um, but, you know, I just thought, I just didn't think of you, sorry. But, the, you know, just, just just thought about your faith and everything else, the Gerlachs, Travis, man, totally just lifted you guys up. Like, God, don't, don't let Satan have these guys. Man, don't let their faith fail. Max, totally prayed for you this week. Just like, man, don't, don't, God, you can't let these guys, Jeff, Nancy, prayed for your family. Just go, gosh, Satan would love for you guys to fall apart and, and lose your focus and everything else. And to you guys, I don't even know your names. I see you every week and I prayed. I said, God, those two, you know who I'm talking about. I seriously prayed for you guys because, man, I just see the passion just in worship and love for, what are your names anyways? Kevin and Tiffany. Okay. Kevin and Tiffany. Pray for Kevin and Tiffany. Kevin and Tiffany. But, you know, I, I just like, you know what? I, I hope your, your passion for God never dies and it just grows and it keeps going to the next level because it's just... Because this is, this is real stuff. There, there's a real war going on for your lives, for your souls. And you've got to believe that your prayer does something and that it's necessary. You know, it's interesting because Jesus says to Peter, I prayed for you, so when you turn back then start worshiping. I mean, I'm sorry, then start strengthening others. And it's an interesting thing what Peter says. Peter says something very arrogant. And this may be where some of you are at. Because well, what Peter says is, Peter replies, he goes, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He's kind of saying, Jesus, why are you praying for me? Why are you saying I'm going to fall away and got to come back? He goes, I'm ready to go with you to prison, to death. And Jesus' reply is, shut up. Jesus says to Peter, he goes, you know what, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times that you know me. Because you're this far away. In fact, today you're going to disown me. You're going to walk away. And that's why I prayed for you. You guys don't get so arrogant to say, well, you don't need to pray for me. Things are good. I don't need people praying for me. You guys don't ever, please don't ever look on this platform and see me on there and say, well, you know what, he's cool, he's solid. You guys, that is the biggest lie in the world. I am this far away from just absolutely blowing it. Every day of my life, man, and I depend, absolutely depend on the prayers. 
Man, you've got to remember, this is Simon Peter who's going to head up the church. He's going to start, you know, he's, it's, just, it's just everything gets run through him in the beginning of the book of Acts. And the, he, he does it all. And that's why it's like, don't ever assume that someone's strong and someone's not going to fall. Man, be serious about praying for each other. Praying for me. Praying for the leaders in the church. Man, I'll look for solid people. I, I prayed for you, Frank, this week. You know, just with you heading up prison ministry and your wife and everything so tight and so good. I mean, you're married to one of the godliest women in the world. And, and yet, I'm not going to take for granted that everything's going to be good and, and perfect in your home. It's like, God, don't, don't you let them fall. It's just solid, solid right now. But I'm not going to take that for granted. Don't do that. We've got to pray. This is huge. This is how we serve one another.